And um, so MAPC and Alexis uh, prepared um, three work products. One is a um, best practices memo. The second is a, um, how do they call it? Um, feasibility analysis. And the third is a intermunicipal agreement. They provided these inf uh, for informational um, or information to us. Um, just to back up the, um, you know, this is where the genesis is um, talking about how we could be more supported as planners. Um, housing regulations in Massachusetts are complicated and can often require a high level of expertise. We've always been fortunate when we've needed it. Um, we were able to get it through community opportunities group and most recently Jen Golson. Um, but sometimes, um, what we we don't know what we don't know. And there's been a couple of instances over the past year um, where I think that being a member of an organization like this could be beneficial, not only in just the um, organizational um, aspect of the Affordable Housing Trust as we move into our um, hopefully post 10% life, but also in um, circumstances like uh, requiring um, monitoring and compliance with our LIP units and also the recent inquiry from David Cashman about the um, annual affordable rent increases. Um, so, I'll have Alexis outline the, the concept and we can talk more about it after we hear from her. All right, welcome Alexis. All right, great. Um, thank you to the select board um, or to the board of selectmen for having me here tonight. And thanks, thanks Sarah for the introduction. Um, I am going to, if I do a screen share, can you all, will you all be able to see the screen? Mm -hmm. All right, great. I'm going to do a quick screen share just so you can look at something, um, something that's not just not just me um, while while I'm talking here. Um, let's see, is that visible to everyone? Yes. Great. Um, so I'm going to run through this really quick, uh, a little quickly, um, but. Uh, you know, feel feel free to ask any questions or you flag anything um, as as I go through this. Um, what whatever makes sense. Um, so I should I should introduce myself. My name is Alexis Smith. I'm a principal housing planner with MAPC, which is the regional planning agency for the 101 communities in Greater Boston, more or less within 495. Um, and as Sarah said, I'm here tonight to talk about this uh, a shared housing services office or a regional housing services office. But people call them a bunch of different things. Um, first, I'm going to give a brief overview of uh, where and how these exist already. Um, this is not the first, um, or I guess so I'll, I'll get into, you know, as Ms. Sarah said, um, this, this became of interest for towns um, who don't necessarily have the need or the capacity to hire a full-time housing coordinator, but who do need very specialized housing services that a town planner who wears many hats, um, you know, might just might not have experience in. Um, it's kind of it's a way to allow access to this expertise without committing to hiring a planner um, and to just kind of have that expertise, you know, on on board and on call. Um, there are three of these that exist already in Eastern Massachusetts. Um, one, the the first one is over ten years old at this point. It's based out of Concord. Um, 
and has nine or 10 participating communities. Um, shortly after that, one based out of Hudson um, was formed in kind of Metro North. And then another, uh, a second one that's also kind of serving Metro West was um, formed that's based out of Reading. And so this would be the, the fourth in, in greater Boston. The South Shore, some communities on the South Shore were also considering um, uh, something along these lines. So it's, it's not, um, it's not a, a new concept um, that this has been tested. Um, let's see. Uh, the primary purpose of these is to monitor uh, a municipality's stock on the subsidized housing inventory. Sarah just mentioned Medfield's getting towards 10%, which is great. Um, particularly when towns start to get a substantive, you know, uh, you know a substantive uh, uh, number of units on the inventory. Um, it's it's a good thing to make sure that those units aren't lost. Um, it's it, it that can happen. Um, and or in primary and, and also more importantly, just you know make sure that these units are functioning the way that they're supposed to. Um, that involves annually checking up on rental units, um, certifying compliance of of rental tenants. It means um, when a when an ownership unit is up for resale, guiding the the um, the seller through that process and ensuring that a new uh, uh, low income or eligible homeowner purchases the unit. Um, that's a big one. A lot of it, that's a very complicated process um, to ensure the continuity of the deed restriction. Um, and there are communities who sometimes just you know lose 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 units that way, um, which is what no one wants when they're right around 10% on their SHI. And that also is just a, an affordable unit that is a resource for the community that you know you don't want to you don't want to see lost. Um, again, it just makes sure that, you know, the town works so hard to get all of these affordable units in place. It makes sure that the units that are in place are functioning uh, as they're supposed to. Um, that's certainly not the only thing that one that uh, that one of these agency or organizations does. Um, it can do, you know, in, in the existing ones, they, they do home administration for eligible communities, uh, pro, uh, program management, you know, in some communities in the past two or three, well, two years, they have been the ones to kickstart a um, rental assistance program using pandemic, pandemic funds, um, project specific support. Uh, a common use of, uh, of one of these is to say, is when you're getting a 40B project in to, to rely uh, on the RHSO staff to say, okay, this is the, these are the analysis we're doing, this is the paperwork we're doing, and making sure that project project flows smoothly so it doesn't sap all of the, the energy from your from your housing planner. And also, and lastly, to support um, uh, town staff and local committees, um, uh, most commonly a housing trust um, to, you know, and, and, you know, as they are, uh, housing trusts are amazing resource uh, are amazing resources, and a lot of times they have great ideas. And this is somebody to help them execute those great ideas who has um, professional experience. Um, they're guided by what's called an intermunicipal agreement, which I believe Sarah uh, distributed a draft copy to you. That essentially it's a it's a it's a document that's enabled by the uh, by state law, um, and that outlines specifically what the what the um, organization would be doing, you know, what fees what the fees are, and how um, and how those fees are adjusted depending on you know what's actually used. Um, provides oversight um, and just lays out responsibilities so that everyone is you know so the re responsibilities are clear and that it's a uh, so that the, the sharing of resources um occurs uh, it, it relatively seamlessly 
Um, there is a lead municipality, as Sarah mentioned, Hopkinton has stepped up um, to be that for this group. Um, they essentially, they're the ones that issue a contract with the service provider. So Medfield and the other um, communities would, you know, would not have a direct contract, but they would be, but through the intermunicipal agreement would, uh, they would be contracting with the service provider. Um, the lead community sets up a revolving fund and makes payments and just generally oversees the, the service provider to make sure that they're, um, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. Um, so for this, uh, th that's how they function generally across, um, you know, all the, the three communities um, that, that or the, excuse me, the three organizations that exist in eastern Massachusetts already. Um, this uh, looking at this uh, uh, SHSO specifically that is uh, getting started for the trick and swap municipalities um, the I'm repeating what Sarah said. Um, the 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 subregions got together and said, you know, this is something we really think that we could we could use. Um, Norwood stepped up and applied for community compact funds um, from the state to support the the development of this, um, the the technical expertise involved. And so I am working with Liz Rust, who is um, who was part of the founding of that uh, uh, first SHSO out of Concord um, uh, ten years ago. Um, so we've got a lot of good uh, experience in the room. This is just a you know a brain. We've spent a lot of time working with the 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 planners in the the municipality to say, all right, what do you need? Does that how does that align? You know, let's make sure that your goals that this is that this is something that makes sense that your goals are lined up that your needs, um, you know, that this is actually going to meet your needs and not going to be something that we're just doing for the sake of doing. Um, and so, uh, just a kind of a quick synopsis of where we've been. Um, the project started a year ago with us just doing a lot of interviews and research into what these existing three have already done and kind of taking away lessons learned. Um, last spring and into the summer, we worked uh, with communities to determine whether this was would be a potential good fit with them. Um, and then for the communities that were interested, moved into looking at a more deep dive into what their um, what their needs are and then how that would translate into a, a budget and a scope for the SHSO. Um, we are right now getting prepared to release an RFP for a service provider, um, and then we'll head into, you know, funding and approvals, and um, hopefully adopting the IMA and uh, kicking things off in uh, the beginning of the next fiscal year. Um, so again, I'll just repeating um, uh, what Sarah said. There are eight towns um, in involved um, of uh, you know, Bellingham, Hopkinton, Medfield, Milton, Norwood, Randolph, Sharon, and Rentham. Um, just to give you, the, this is gonna, this probably makes you go cross-eyed, but just to give you an idea of the work that's gone into this, um, we interviewed uh, staff from all of the participating towns, went through a really, really detailed culling of the, the their their subsidized housing inventory, not just. Oh, you have this many units. You're you have you know nine point six percent. But uh, okay, how many of those are local action units? How many of those are ownership? How many of those are all affordable rental versus you know forty Bs? Like who's who's the monitoring agent? Like pulling in a lot of information to to really make sure that we're making an informed uh and uh projection of how much um you know what monitoring for the SHI will will entail, um and also what other programs um are are needed or what other services are needed, excuse me. Um, from there, we uh, drafted a you know, estimate at number of hours that would be required uh, for each of these towns and came up with a, you know, a, a, an overall draft budget for, um, for the, the future SHSO. Um, 
these the TrickSwap SHSO will have services similar to to you know what we've already discussed in the existing ones. Monitoring will be a primary one, um, particularly ownership units, which is something that planners in the, these subregions has have consistently flagged as as being a challenge. Um, the this uh, SHSO will also focus on program development. There's been a fair amount of interest in saying, all right, yeah, we we want to start a home ownership assistance program or a rental assistance program, um, and also uh, board meeting support for the housing trusts and you know consulting and projects on an as needed basis. Um, this is a snapshot of what we've projected for Medfield's services. Um, hey, Alexis, I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt. I've been thinking for a while that you think that the screen is actually going through a presentation. We are still seeing the um, title slide. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Well, there's so much, yeah. so, so much for um, you not so much for you having something more interesting to look at. I apologize. Um, I don't know what happened there. Can you see? Can you see that spread that that yeah. I I I am so so sorry. Well, I will email this to Sarah. She can pass it along to you all. Um, there was not okay. much content beyond what I've verbalized. I was just including it so that you could focus on something instead of my, my head the whole time. Um, this is the most important one to see. Um, this is how we're estimating Medfield's hours, hours would play out. Um, Medfield actually has a, a very robust number of units on its inventory. Um, and within that, there's a lot of, um, let's say more, more complicated units to monitor. Um, you know, there are some towns that are close to 10%, but that 10% um, on the subsidized housing inventory is just in two 40B projects run by, you know, by a, a major major management company who kind of know what they're doing and who can keep this going. Um, Medfield has a lot of unique projects that just require a lot more um, more monitoring them in some other towns, which is why, you know, these these this top column um, under the, the, the monitoring is is, you know, it's a fair amount of hours. Um, Medfield has also um, uh, suggested that uh, pro program development hours would be useful um, and uh, in particular support for the, um, the housing trust would be useful, um, as well as just providing general support for residents. Um, uh, you know, a lot of folks get calls or, you know, field inquiries and having um, a one-stop, you know, central uh, expert to, to refer folks to is many towns find that useful. Um, so that's what we're projecting. Um, this is a projection. It is not necessarily what Medfield will end up using. There are in the intermunicipal agreement um, guidelines for how to even um, how to even hours out at the end of the year. Um, if the town opts not to use all of those hours, then there's a you know there, there's a way to 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 tally tally the balance um, so that the, the town will not be asked to pay for anything that it doesn't use, um, and it will you know be okaying hours as it as it goes along. Just to give you a, a snapshot of what the other towns are anticipating, um, uh, Hopkinton is uh, at the high end of the, the request, um, which so it makes sense that they're stepping in as the lead community. Um, down to you know some towns in the um, Rentham and Norwood have really just said you know we have small subsidized housing inventories, but we really want to make sure that someone is actively monitoring them. Um, and so you know that's that, that's kind of what the the communities who are seeing on the lower end of services are, are looking for. 
Um, next steps are um, we are, you know, participating towns are uh, making funding requests right now. Um, most are either or have made requests most either through the through their CPA funds, if those are available or through as a line item in the town budget. Um, we're just, you know, at, at this point, the planners are having conversations with folks just to make sure that, you know, they're on board with the, the general idea. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be releasing an RFP for a service provider who will be the one to actually, you know, execute these services. Um, all the towns will vote on the, the 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 line item will be included in the town will be, uh, in the town budget and voted on at town meeting or voted on at town meeting as part of the the CPA allotment. Um, and then once funds are allocated um, formally, then we will uh, will be you know seeking the select board to sign on to the intermunicipal agreement. Um, so right now the the goal is just to you know see in addition to the funding request, it's just to see if folks have questions. You know what 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 um, um, what can we provide to answer uh, any any uncertainties you might have, fill any gaps, and just you know make sure that we're we're answering those uh, upfront um, and you know getting you whatever information you need. You need. Um, so that is all I have. All <laughs> two of the slides that ended up actually showing, um, <laughs> but I will uh, I, I, I will see if if folks have any questions either now or if as you're digesting the materials, if something comes up, of course please feel free to um, you know, reach out to Sarah and she can pass them on to me, whatever, whatever, whatever works. Um, so uh, happy for any questions. Thank you very much. Um, I guess my question would be, uh, I think this is an excellent idea. I think that we've, we've been overdue and needing this uh, for quite a while now, so that I'm, I'm happy that we're getting it. Is it going to be provided, uh, Alexis, by uh, a, a group or a, a one person? That depends. Um, it if I don't know who is going to respond to the RFP. Um, we we have we you know know that there's 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 people who do this you know are are exist in the region. Um, of the three existing ones, one of them is they're they're structured different ways. Um, one of them is actually hired by the lead community, a single person hired by the lead community as a staff. Hopkinton is not interested in doing that. They don't have the space. So that will not be the model here. Um, one of the existing ones has a single consultant um, or a single person who they've hired as a consultant. Um, and then one or, or you know, I should say a couple of people who they've hired independently as a consultant. And then one um, the, and, and then the third one has actually hired a, a group, um, a, a housing nonprofit that is able to do this sort of thing. Um, and so it just, it depends on who's interested in what the needs are. Um, but I, the, sh the short answer is it, it, it could be either. All right, thank you. May I interrupt for a second? I think one thing that we didn't say was uh, Medfield's approximate tally is about $20,000. So that would be what this request is for. Yeah, I'm sorry, what? Did she have it? Yes. Okay. 16. Okay. <laughs> I, I should have, I should have. I should have. <laughs> the 16 is an estimate based on an assumed hourly rate, um, but we don't know what the, what folks are going to come back with. Um, you know, we, we can't put it totally firm number on it until we have a proposal from a service provider. Um, so, so I've encouraged communities to request, you know, a little up above the estimate in case, you know, we, we get um, high, high bids. Uh, yeah, a couple, a couple of first thanks to the presentation and uh, the explanation even without the 
Um, just a couple. One, Hopkinton is the lead community. Does that mean, well, it, it, is Hopkinton providing a physical location for this provider or what does it mean to be a lead community, I guess? Yeah. It means um, in some in some of the existing ones, um, the lead community does provide office space. Uh, Hopkinton has just said they don't have any available. Um, so we're we're we'll, we're just making it clear on the RFP that the consultant will have to work out of you know whatever offices they have. Um, it means that Hopkinton will be um, the town that has the contract with the service provider. Um, so all the towns in the SHSO are entitled to receive the services from the service provider, but Medfield won't have a direct contract with them. Um, it's just a, a, a much cleaner way to to do it. Um, yeah. Hopkinton will also, as part of their warrants, uh, or you know, they will set up. A, um, a revolving fund, also, uh, also, you know, a fund enabled by Mass General Law, um, that will receive the payments from all of the participating communities and then distribute those payments to the service provider, um, and additionally check to make sure that the service provider is, you know, doing the things that they've billed for in the way that any town would oversee any 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 consultant that they've hired. That leads to my next question. I, I'm, I'm assuming this would be a multi-year contract that would be let out for the provider. Yeah, we're structuring it as a three-year um, contract. Um, all of the existing ones do either two years or three years. Um, our uh, the the the. the well, the the Liz the one we've been working with, who is part of you know one of these, has suggested that three years is the right way to go, particularly at the outset, because <clears throat> this is essentially when you take all eight towns together, this is essentially the equivalent the equivalent of a half time employee. And so, if an organization is you know interested in doing something like this, there will be some amount, some degree of staffing up on their part. Um, you know, also just getting familiar with the towns. Um, the first year of this is really just going to be going through all the towns inventories with a fine tooth comb and figuring out what's what, you know, they'll probably have to go to, you know, this, this, we spend a lot of time digging up the old deed restrictions and finding where they're, you know, what the particulars are of the, you know, 20 year old deed restrictions that are, you know, when they're written differently than what they are now. Um, so there, so we, we, I, I, I do recommend a three-year term, just there's not a whole lot of incentive for the provider to step up if they only have the guarantee that they're, you know, going to do this for one year. Um, that being said, some towns have been like, well, what if, what if we just, what if we don't approve the funds after a year? What if this is just absolutely not the right situation for us? Um, there are provisions in the intermunicipal agreement for if a town wishes to bow out um, prior to that three years. It's just easiest from a contracting perspective and, you know, in, in terms of getting the provider up and running to, to start with three years. Okay. Uh, that, that, and you got out in front of me on my next question. I was trying to think for, is for us thinking about this, we probably should think about it in good faith. As, if it's a three-year contract, we ought to be thinking about it as a three-year commitment. Maybe there's some ways for us to escape from that, but the bottom line is we really should be thinking about that way. Yeah. Your contract, that's how we should be thinking about it. Yeah, the benefit is over time. Um, that as you know, in 18 months, when Sarah gets a notification that a unit, an affordable home ownership unit is going to be sold, then you know, that, that's it's it's as as those turn in, then that's that's where the benefit really starts to, to, to come in. So my last comment is just an editorial for anybody who cares, but I think Pete and I, over, over the past several years, there has been an informal regional selection group, uh, I think largely had largely coordinated out of Medway, I think it was Pete. Uh, and one of the meetings that we had, uh, these towns that were ahead of us on 40B, 
uh, were commenting about some of the horror stories they had with their for sale units uh, because nobody was monitoring this stuff. Basically, you'd have people get an affordable unit, then some of the banks that aren't that sophisticated would then give them a conventional loan at a market price. But, you know, they refinance, <laughs> but they refinance the unit at the market price for the affordable unit. And there was no closed loop. So I, I can easily see why something like this with a competent service provider could, uh, could well be worth it's both the cost and, and it, it addresses the problem. That's just one of the things you had on that list. <laughs> So I, I think, and thank you, Lindsay. I, I, I thought this was a good idea as well, especially where we're moving into a, a new phase, hopefully, of this process where we're going to be looking to do some things that are not sort of typical for you and going to get to that 10% and executing on some of the other community housing and other goals where I just think, for example, when we're working on what we're going to Hop. <laughs> That was on my mind as this was <laughs> percolating. Yeah. It would have been helpful to have some additional expertise. Obviously, Sarah has a useful multi-skill too. So I think it's useful And just to be clear, the Affordable Housing Trust did um, meet with Alexis last May. So we they've been in the loop on this. The whole time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Next, uh, we Thank have, you. I think it's uh, Michael Taylor in the Zoom world. Um, we've got Michael Taylor and all Scotty to discuss the White Derby House and Lease Agreement. Michael Taylor. He's in the Zoom world. Yes. Yeah. Is he not there either? Yeah, he's Welcome, Michael. Good morning. Good evening. <laughs> what would you like to know? <laughs> okay, I'll start. Um, thank you for having us. And I'd like to say, um, I don't know if any of you have recently visited the house, I'd say in the past year, uh, it's drastically different. I know all three of you have been past it on your way to jail on Medfield Day, but stopping in, we'd welcome you. Um, since July 1 of 2020, the house has undergone a dramatic change. Uh, one of the most significant things is written up in the Hometown Weekly by Richard DeSorga, is the basement's dry, um, and that is a minor miracle. Uh, the house has been painted on three sides. The uh, breezeway, the Derby Hall edition, was actually uh, power washed, scraped, sanded, primed, and painted by volunteers. Um, we have a new website. The, the things that were done professionally by vendors was the website, um, the PVC piping in the basement, the painting. Um, we had track lighting put in the exhibit hall, so we were able to host art shows. Um, what else have we done? We had, we had to replace the outside spotlights. We had to replace the batteries for the emergency lighting. 
Uh, we have new downspouts. Um, we have a new, we have a wireless fire and alarm system. And we have Mike Taylor cleaning the gutters. <laughs> and, the kitchen, and don't forget uh, Eva Potts kitchen. I haven't gotten to the interior yet. <laughs> the um, butler's pantry, which was a complete disaster. Uh, I have pictures of the before, but I'm not going to display them to you. If you want to see them someday, I'll be happy to show them. But what it looks like now is it's spectacular. And all of the two ladies that are here, Eve and Sherry, were the key people who, again, all the cabinets were scraped, sanded, primed. The fixtures were taken off and it took two hours for each fixture to be cleaned. The floor was painted. The grates were painted. The electrician put in GFC outlets. We have a stove, we have a range, and we have a new refrigerator. Uh, that was from the, there was a dedicated, there was a fundraiser for that years ago, and there was $3,500 towards this, what they had planned for a $30,000 kitchen, and these ladies did it for $3,000. Um, we've been lucky that many things have been donated and volunteers have done many things, and we're at the end where we can do work like that. Oh, and we've sifted. There were three piles left from the dig under the breezeway 20 plus years ago that we inherited. Two of those piles have been sifted and the soil distributed on the property, which is required for historical reasons. We have one large pile to go and it's a lot of fun, just like Mark Twain said. So if anyone wants to show up, we have three screens to sift. We'll give you a pizza party on the patio. <laughs> Um, and the house has been staged historically. So I really, I really wish you would all come by and see it. We, at Christmas time, we had 76 children come to see Mr. and Mrs. Santa, Mrs. Santa sitting in the audience. <laughs> and Medfield Day, we had over 200 people come through the house. So it, it's, it's come a long way from where, from where we were. Michael. Yeah. So, um, so just to, you know, the, the, the purpose of the meeting today is just to renew the lease. Um, the initial lease was, uh, uh, it was signed on February 24th, 1998, lasted for 10 years with an automatic 10 year extension that brought us up, up through 2018. And now we're on a technically a month to month. There are some initial provisions in the lease that applied to um, goals that the, uh, the Dwight Derby House had to do the, the, the initial few years. Uh, just as a, for further background information, initially when the Dwight Derby House came up for sale, uh, the Historical Society, uh, I was a treasurer of the of Medfield Historical Society at the time, and we really wanted to try to raise money and try to save that house but the Historical Society had a $10,000 budget. So we created uh, the Friends of the Dwight Derby House. And the deal was the town was to buy the house, which it did. And the Friends of the Dwight Derby House would raise the monies to, to fix it up. And so during the first nine years, uh, we raised $383,000 or about $42,600 a year. Um, the, uh, so the, the, we, we are on a month to month lease now. and um, we made some provisions or changes to the initial lease, just basically to update it, to put us on another 10 year, 10 year track. 
Um, in October 2020, we gave a, a, a marked up version of, uh, of the lease and we're waiting for the town to respond to it. It's relatively straightforward. Mark, I don't know if you have had any uh, comments on the um, lease itself and maybe it's not productive to review it at, at the Board of Selectmen meeting today, but uh, we would like to continue and um, commit to the initial intent, which was the Friends of the Dwight Derby House will continue to maintain the house and preserve it um, for the future benefit of the town. I know that we've had some conversations, um, but as, as the board's, you know, inclined to renew the lease, I expect it would be, and we can work on that and bring it to the judges. I don't know if you have any questions at this stage before we have to continue that process. I think it's a, a partnership that has worked very well for the town. So I think that uh, it makes sense for the town to renew the lease. And I can't really hear anything you're saying, but I'm sure it's good things. <laughs> <laughs> It is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for, it does depend on your perspective. How you heard it. <laughs> uh, yeah, just for the just for the record, I have visited the Joint Derby House, but I would only add I don't know that till day was my first time there. I to be honest, I spent more time getting an in-depth discussion of the things that were in your barn in the back that I did in the front. But I, I learned a lot, saw a lot, and none of that would have happened had Pete not bailed me out of jail. So <laughs> uh, credit to the student. Uh, I yeah. might have missed it, but for Pete. Um, I, I'm in favor of this, obviously. One of, the, one of the great things about this town is that there are people who care about its history and are willing to put design and effort into preserving that history. Uh, so for sure, my inclination would be to uh, even just to the lease under the current terms. Gus, on that, uh, on that mark, since it's uh, we've been in operation for 26 years, we've had 41 board member volunteers. Some people come back for more. Um, Richard DeSorger is now a member. This is his third time he's come back. Um, but we, so 41 um, members over a 26 year period. Uh, a few years ago, we only had three board members. Um, we now have nine. So with, uh, um, with the number of uh, potential members um, supporting the cause, many hands may make light work. And I'd like to just point out that the barn has never been opened before as part of the museum. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Sorrell, Yeah, so I've, I've had the draft lease for a while. There was an issue uh, during our preliminary discussions about uh, the friends group looking for the town and take over more of the uh, maintenance expenses. Uh, uh, associated with the property. I just quickly looked at this draft and, and it appeared that, that you were going to retain those responsibilities. That's correct. Um, with, a few years ago, uh, the philosophy of the Friends of the Dwight Derby House was that, hey, this is the town's property. Maybe they should uh, be uh, paying for the, the upkeep and the maintenance. Um, but certain members like myself remember what the initial agreement was. Uh, 26 years ago, felt that that wasn't particularly fair. So um, we we purposely increased the number of board members. We we've um, 
cranked up our uh, fundraising efforts and we think we, we can do it. Now, having said all that, we certainly do appreciate the support that we continue to get through uh, some of the town sponsored organizations. I do have a current certificate of insurance if you'd like it. Oh, I did bring that. <laughs> oh, and if I had if I had been able to attend this uh, this meeting, I had a check for twelve dollars would cut which covered the rent for the last twelve years. So far, we've given you two checks. The first check was for thirteen dollars twelve years ago, and then we'll be current once we give you our twelve dollar check. So I'll see you first thing in the morning tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> My thought was, you haven't been paying the rent on a monthly basis as you represent. Well, there's this whole period you've been scattered and covered. Uh, question: Only because this discussion. Does any of the ARPA? You know how some of the ARPA funding had a fairly broad application. I never really thought about the the not-for-profit organizations that potentially were hurt by COVID. Do we, is that, you know, I'm thinking whether it could be donations, could be uh, other other things. Is that within the zone? It's not. Okay. Okay. That's, that's the easy answer. Right. Well, I try. Anything else? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to assume it's no. You can't hear <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have world. We're going to do world's appointment. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to appoint Lowell Scotty and then to council agents and put the remainder of the Terry Constance term expired on June 31st. Um, no speech, <laughs> I, I move that we appoint Lauren Scotty to the Metro Council on Aging to fill the remainder of Terry Constance's term expiring June 30th, 2022. I'll second that. So all in favor? Aye. 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 Congratulations. All right, next item, uh, review and discussion of the articles for the 2022 annual meeting, potential vote to open the meeting for the and close it until the meeting, discuss the most recent discussions. You're not looking for us to take positions on the No, it was really just to have a, uh, I have draft copies that I will give to you later at language, um, but more to talk about, we have potential of adding two articles uh, as well as Great. Hello, Good evening. Um, just wanted to talk, uh, kind of continue our discussion from last time regarding North Street, uh, looking at some of the costs and uh, kind of a um, new revelation a little bit. But um, as far as costs, I mean, we talked about underground utilities. We talked about reconstruction uh, and putting it out there. Um, the original costs were between three and three point five million. We had the consultant look at it again with current prices just keep rising and rising. We're anywhere right now, we're, we are looking at uh, for a 29 foot roadway width, it would be about 4.1 million. For a 32 foot width roadway, it would be 4.6. With that being said, um, if we did underground utilities, Weston just did a job uh, there uh, one of our consultants that did the job there, um, they did the underground utilities for a mile worth of roadway was $8 million for the contractor to put all the uh, underground infrastructure in, $2 million for Eversource on top of that, and another half a million between Verizon and Comcast. So um, if we do it 
relative to a mile, we're looking at about a half a mile here. Um, so it would be about a five, about a five million dollar, just for the underground utilities. So we're just bringing out the costs just to to show how um, how expensive or inexpensive. <laughs> it's a one. It's a one time. Yes. No. No. Um, it took the town of Weston about six years from beginning to end. But that was for the the mile of construction. For if we did underground utilities, my estimate would be about three to four years, um, depending on you know how Eversource responds to um, to something like that. You talk about you would need easements or concessions for you know different things that uh, come across as we go from James Avenue to Pine Street. That's the, the location we're talking about. Um, so my feeling, you know, I, I would recommend that we give it a little time for the prices to come down. I mean, I'm not sure if, you know, how long that would take. I would like to repave the road, put a, new, a surface treatment on it for the time being, like we talked about before. I think it's six to 10 year, um, surface treatment would be, you know, um, a reality. We could get it to that point for that for the $90,000. I think to, with the prices still still reaching, haven't reached the top yet, with fuel, the oil prices going up, um, you know, the asphalt content is what we, we have to worry about, the contractor's prices. With all the infrastructure coming in, with all the contractors being wanted to do work, I think the prices are gonna, um, continue to, to rise. I think if we give it a couple of years, give it time, get up, get it paved, give it time for the for things to relax, um, that would be my recommendation, but, um, and not bring it to town meeting at this time. So basically, just as the differences between the two, the, the, the 32 foot road mm -hmm. would give you essentially a bike lane? They, they, they would both be um, bike lanes, the shoulders would be, um, um, the, the travel lanes would be a little bit narrower. So yeah, so the 32 foot would be two, two 11 foot lanes, two five foot shoulders for bike lanes and two five foot sidewalks, both on both sides. Correct. Just until, I, I think, I think because the prices are so high, I think that to put it to town meeting, I think we're, we're looking at a bad time to do it. Um, I think, I mean, we could do it still in a couple of years if it's still the same price, but um, we're hoping that with, with COVID, I guess relaxing a little bit and the prices once people get back to work and the economy improves, hopefully the prices will, will go down, so. There's one thing to have a <clears throat> for a short period uh, for a short track too you know
I <clears throat> frankly considered it, and I do have a memo on the process. Ultimately, the ratepayers in the entire town pick it up. Not even the ratepayer ships in the area are practically spread out over the whole town. Finally, Not now. The town of Weston, um, if we follow the model for Weston, then it's an upfront cost, but it's not a surcharge on that. Okay. I've heard it done both ways, but um, but looking at Weston, the consultant that did the presentation had done the, the work for Weston, and I talked to their engineers directly about all the prices that that they did pay out. Why did they go that route to post the rates? I'm I'm not sure. I can I can follow up. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Well, that was related because they were doing the bonding that they wanted to pay all up front. Their total project, I believe, was 16, 17 million across the whole mile, including the underground utilities. Do you have a sense of uh, if we were to do it to which section? How, how much we would have if we did it everywhere that would be reasonable? You're talking about just North Street, really, from, from James Ave to Pine Street right now. It's not even from, from Starbucks. <laughs> no, so we're looking at um, we're looking at developing the Route 109 corridor with the state. Um, we're trying to get it on the transportation improvement program. Um, we're going to be hopefully working on that uh, this spring and summer. The thing is, um, that's a we're looking to go from the town line at Millis all the way to Hartford Street. It's a fifteen million dollar project, so to speak. But to get the money from the state, I think we might have to do it in phases. That we'd be able to get the money a lot sooner um, by do, by splitting up the job. It's just that you know you're inconvenienced for a while longer, you know, one time and then a time again. But they, I think they did it all in one shot. But they had, you know, it was three years, Mark. It was. Was a three-year project? That was really dragged out for a long period. Yeah. yeah. But um, but for us to get <laughs> it does. But for us to get fifteen million dollars from the state, it's very hard for them to fund that large project. I think if we break it up into two sections, um, we be uh, be able to get funded sooner than than later. If you're talking about the you're talking about the yeah. Unless you just did the downtown areas and broke it up that way. Yep. So your recommendation is not to keep this on, essentially surface treatment. Yeah. Surface treatment doesn't get the sidewalk issue. No, um, looking at the sidewalks right now, uh, there's one area where it's very flush to the ground. We could probably do something with that, with our, with our forces, maybe putting in a, a, an asphalt curb and bring it up a little higher so that it becomes, you know, protected sidewalk. Um, the rest of it, I, don't, I wouldn't spend the money on to, to reconstruct it until we're ready to do the whole project. Uh, you might be surprised, but uh, I don't like the uh, ninety thousand dollar fix much better than the other ones. So <laughs> I guess I would recommend to go ahead and do that. So, 
Thank you for those numbers. Mm -hmm. I think the underground utilities are nice, but I think it's hard to stop them doing those. And uh, certainly based on your recommendation on this, Mo, I'm, I'm fine with going ahead with resurfacing. I, as you're talking about it, the thing that I think about is I'm thinking about this project, the state project, and thinking about some of the resilience things that Sarah's working on, some of the other studies that have been downtown. I look at the progress we've made from a, from a you know, business standpoint. Uh, this, uh, buying, I'm buying your argument about this is the wrong time to spend my, I'm not making the case to do that. But I do think in that longer term, maybe it's that six to 10 year time frame, the answer to some of these things, I think we, should, we have to be thinking about all of these pieces because if all of those pieces get put in together in the right place, it seems to me we'll be able to sustain momentum on some of the economic progress I think we've made over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I, I drive through Millis everyone, you know, fairly frequently, and it's like, gosh, you know, it's actually nice that it's that downtown stretch is nice, and you can start to see how if it starts to look nicer, then businesses come in, and then it might be a little bit easier. I guess that's the best we can do it now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I get I get what you're saying, but I, I do see that some of this is worth considering. What does and doesn't make sense? That underground utilities, I know people like them. I may certainly do them. Look better. I'm not saying that necessarily happy if it's a super expensive piece of it. That's not even so much the most important as having something less than flush sidewalks and waste strikes. But I don't think those prices, those costs are going to change. I think it's the construction cost that will change, but I don't. I don't believe the underground utility costs will change that much. Yeah, the only question will be: Will we get to, if, if the economic development in the downtown area continues? Will we get to a point where even the, even the business community would say, you know, we've got some interest here. If we can upgrade this whole thing, you know, we see a benefit. Uh, and if we got there, but I'm saying this is a six to ten year down the road kind of a thing. Well, we we discussed having having a committee put together, community committee. Uh, with you know town officials, uh, business owners, um, residents to kind of put put together and see the whole downtown as far as the corridor, trying to improve it, and what the state will pay, what the state and federal government won't pay. That's that would be the benefit. Yeah. It's time frame, yeah, you know, half a decade, decade up, maybe two decades up. But thinking about it, I think it would be a good thing. Yeah, I think Mo and I meant to talk about it. I think yeah. Putting together a four or five week plan for underground facilities at that kind of cost for setting yourself up for failure at town meeting so we can do some outreach and really have a, a good handle on the cost. Yeah. I know we'll be disappointing some people with that, but I think an interim approach like this and then a long term planning approach is better. Well, I also think this is something that as we turn to our next capital budget process, we can make sure that this is something that we can include in that plan. The reality is we've never really had the ability to do ability. We've never done any significant you know, road work because the town generally had a policy or a practice that we wouldn't bond for that kind of work. We wouldn't combine, you know. So like a lot of towns were combining four kind of projects with one three five twenty five million dollar bond. Uh, we've never had the room in our tax level to do a project significant size without it. And so we just never had, you know, we had, I mean the North shouldn't have a tip application for a while, but right. As we were told, it was going to be, you know, 
It's still on the tip. Right. We've done a good job when we drive around the town near us. Our roads are in better shape than a lot of the town. Not North Street right now. Yeah. I think also, just one more comment about North Street is that we were looking also to possibly in the future add the intersection of North Street and Harding Street, maybe in coordination with this project. So, no. Uh, I just want to point out well, we had the potential vote to open annual town meeting. We'll still do that. Thank you. So that's what we want to open the town wars. I move that we open the town wars. Second. Favor? Yes, we're just adding, um, as everybody knows, the middle school had a roof uh, leakage, and we need to um, appropriate money to do that. We have some unexpended bond funds from town Council, this is a great deal to separate article rather than the council has been recommending it. 100. All right. Um, review town council letter rate multi family zoning for the community communities. Well, close the end. So thank you, Bill, for your comments on the. Letter, Pete, confidential comments in the letter. Um, you want to discuss any of those comments? I, to be honest with you, I have a big comment. I'll make it shorter than this time. No, no, no. I wasn't. They weren't too bad. It almost saw a comment go. I wasn't here yet. Well, like three pages. It was like. <laughs> or early. Well, it was early. Yeah. Um, I think we reviewed uh, a lot of Bill's comments, and I think this letter is more letting the state know that we're unhappy with how they're doing 3A and our comments on that. Bill's are more technical in what happened when 3A moved forward. I met with Sarah today, and there is, uh, if this doesn't back move forward, there's technical assistance available from the state to answer all of those questions that you were posing. Okay, I would. Microphone, sir. You have to go to the podium. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you there, right? Yeah. The last, yeah, the last paragraph. The last paragraph. I told you, man. Go to the podium. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you. We're going to lock that microphone. I'll send the email. Yeah. So, do you want to vote to sign this? Or? Yeah. I move that we uh, sign the uh, letter to. Uh, Economic 
Next, vote to approve a contract with Kevin Duquette for tobacco compliance services. This, oh, correct. I was gonna, this is um, a contract with Mary Haas from uh, Mendel Outreach and Comfort Board of Health to do this as part of the drug prevention program. I do have questions it's funded by yeah it's coming from that okay the main the main question i had is that i looked at the uh, you know contract and it's like this is a new thing if i read it right it was like it requires once annual inspection so i was questioning why we're adding that kind of service as opposed to just having somebody drop in on you know from the town or help or something like that that's an that's not Okay, so the short answer is it's not our money that we're spending, it's small money anyway, so that's why we're doing All right. I got uh, move that we approve the contract with Kevin Duquette for tobacco compliance services. All in favor? Aye. Right, next, vote to approve the employment agreement with the Fashion Group of Carico, a one year agreement attracted to July 1st, 2021, and a three year agreement beginning July 1st, 2022. The employment agreements with Fire Chief Will William Jericho, first a one year agreement retroactive to July 1st, 2021, followed by a three year agreement beginning July 1st, 2022. Second, all in favor? Aye. Aye. And I'll just note uh, on behalf of the board that we're very grateful to have uh, Chief Jericho sticking around. Down uh, 26%, and we are also offered the premium holiday uh, both to the town and to the employees. Now we're at a full 12 months this year. Got it. Okay. 
Motion. Uh, we approve, uh, sign the health insurance renewal for the year 2023. Second, all in favor? Yes. Aye. 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 The advertising Daffodil Bay slash Berry House Walk from March 25th to April 10th. The event is on Saturday, April 9th, with the rain date of Sunday, April 10th. Location is 109 North Street, transportation and Questions, comments, discussion? No. Move that we approve Jim and Neil's request for Sandsport signs and three locations to advertise the Daffodil Bay's Berry House Walk from March 25th to April 10th. Event on Saturday, April 9th, with the rain date of Sunday, April 10th. Second, all in favor? Yeah. Opposed? Uh, meeting minutes. Um, I have gotten through some of these. If anyone's gotten through all of the, all of these, I will defer to you and be happy to do I've probably gotten through through at least like December 22nd. So you're ahead of me. Uh, yeah. I've gotten through the first five. All right. So you want to do the first five? Yeah. Uh, um... So, well, let's do the first. My comments are the first four were fine. There's minor edit. One of them was okay. Is. The other ones have minor edits from me. Uh, the one, you saw your edits. You saw my edits, yeah. Uh, the one that I was, was, I misallocated the time because, because I did that on Sunday and said, okay, these are fine. I'll just, yeah, I did four and I took like 10 minutes a piece. And you got May 26? <laughs> I got to, to May 26. But that's not ready for prime time. That one I don't think we're ready for. Um, you'll see all my comments, but the biggest, my, my biggest reaction, and I spent over an hour of that this afternoon, which was, had I known that's what I was getting involved in, I wouldn't have gone, I would have spent more time on all the other stuff we did today. Um, that was one that needed to be proofread by somebody, because what I spent an hour on was sort of mechanical edits for certain, parag certain paragraphs or sentences, some of which were quoting what I had said. And I couldn't even guess at what I actually really did say by what was written there. So I couldn't even reword it because uh, it didn't give me enough of a clue what the real words were that were said. So you've got, for that one, you have all my comments. You have, you know, edits where I could edit things. Um, pet peeve that I think is from the past, not to the future, but, or not, not where we are now. But the rapid shifting between first and third person, sometimes in the same sentence. I didn't even try to fix those anymore. I just said, uh, somebody reading that from two years ago, they'll be able to figure out what we meant. Um, I had to put some commas in some place to figure out what some of the sentence said, because I could, it took me a while to figure out what the sentence meant until I put the commas in the right place. But that one's not ready. In my mind, the first four are ready with the minor edits that have been attended. But I will say on that one, Gus, that I, I had the same reaction and when I was looking at it, and I was came to mind of the decision that the judge wrote in the case I once had, in which he pointed out that the parties filing from the motion were longer than Donald uh, Um And he, he wrote that he wasn't going to address certain of the issues uh, in deference to the mortality ban. <laughs> 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 That's how I felt with the minutes. So if you've gone through it, guys, I, 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 I'll, I'll look at it this way. But I was looking at it, I'm like, you know what? I no way I can get through those. For the record, I did catch one engrossment that you didn't correct. Didn't catch all the engrossments? There was one. Well, I will say I that, I, that I did a little bit of thinking like, is, is engrossment right. a thing? Is it some sort of technical legislative trick? I did the same thing, but I don't think it is. It's no, no, it's not. It's it's not. not. Yeah. I thought maybe engrossment is another word. 
legislature uses in legislation. It's not in gross. In gross. In gross. Yes. And what does that mean? Uh, approved by the House of See, so it's a real. Yeah. So the, but this probably was an endorsement because it was only the accident of one. This is what's great about having somebody yeah. <laughs> So when we change it to endorsement, do we make yeah, it that's right. worse or should we have left it as being really gross? It just sounds so gross. <laughs> I think endorsement. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm saying. So it is a legislative. I thought it was, but I wasn't. Well, maybe that's correct. Right. I mean, it, you know, there were others. A more civilized kind of right, So we're going to defer. Can we get a motion to approve July 30th, February 18th? So moved. Second, all in favor? Aye. 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 Uh, next meeting date March 22nd, 2022. Next week, uh, select a report. Uh, I went to the energy committee and uh, they're as busy as ever. I took the minutes so I can do to you exactly what they would do, but I won't. Um, here, mental foundation, and that's it. That's uh, a couple things. The uh, Memorial Day parade, uh, coordination meeting took place uh, last Wednesday. Uh, they're varying the roots slightly in the sense because the leaf is not there anymore. So it's a regular parade this year, starts like it normally does. Baxter Park, Blue does with the cemetery. The only difference in the roots is that we'll be coming in on Dale Street and going straight across to kind of the, you know, the, the, the main Dale Street area there. Uh, there'll be no, there will be uh, no cookout. They were talking about having an ice cream park with all of that. And then the only other minor twist, I believe, is that the fire chief declared that the the uh, the wagon or the, the trailer that is usually used to haul the region apparently has been determined to be unsafe. Uh, and so the committee is looking for convertibles. So for those of you who have convertibles, know anyone who does that would be like to be in the Memorial Day parade, we're to do that. Second is the I listened in on the MMA. Uh, there was a budget briefing last Friday, I think it was from the MMA. A couple of key points on that is the unrestricted government aid officially 2.7%, but the MMA is actually asking for a 7.3% increase, and that had to do with the fact that the state the rules are based on Governor Baker that the the aid coming to towns and cities is a function of the growth in the town, in the city, of state revenues. And during the COVID crisis, it's actually based on the forecasted growth of the state's revenues. And during COVID, they forecasted small numbers in growth. They experienced large numbers in growth, but because the rule was the forecast is what you went by, basically the unrestricted aid coming to communities and towns was artificially below what the actual growth of revenue is. So they're asked, actually going back, asking for a 7.3% 7, 7 increase, which would simply put that all back on track. So I don't know if that's going to help. That's what they're trying to do. Um, they're looking for an increase in Chapter 7, the minimum aid of $30 a student to $100 a student, but that matters. And uh, 
I've seen that, but you probably already know all this stuff. But, uh, and then the chapter 90 funds for the point people made by the thing that over the last 11 years, the chapter 90 funds have declined by 83.2 million dollars, but they're also pushing back you should get more funding than what we've been getting. And I think, uh, yeah, I know, uh, House is looking to expand outdoor dining and take out breaks for another year. Head into the second more to come. And then the third thing, I just had a very active week here. Um, if you, if uh, those who are listening to this, Medfield Outreach has released their survey, community needs survey, uh, as of Monday of this week, and uh, they're trying to get as many people to fill the survey out as they can. They, the surveys have to be completed by March 27th, so you've got between now and March 27th. Uh, if you take a look at the meeting agenda packet for tonight's meeting, for the Selectman's meeting, and you go all the way to the bottom of it, one of the information items is the flyer that has a QR code. So if you want, you can just literally scan the QR code and it'll get you to the, uh, the survey. There also will be uh, some active efforts uh, at places like the food cupboard. And, and there will be, if anybody needs a hard copy, there are hard copies basically. So anybody that wants it in, Brazilian Portuguese or Spanish. There will be Brazilian Portuguese and Spanish copies that will be produced as well. And it basically what's happening is it's part of the overall strategic planning effort to get a good handle on what community needs are. Uh, uh, and it, so it's, it, it, I would say that as opposed to some sort of objective statistical analysis of looking what problems are, this is really trying to get at what people either perceive as needs in town or Actually, that was news that uh, Medfield Outreach and the affiliated organizations. Uh, that actually filled my, my report out today. I do have some concern about anonymity. Um, how many people are going to check each of the boxes and the entrance and visit the house? But I feel hopefully that's just to randomize them and bring all the answers to go check all of the boxes. Um, around the back. Yeah. <laughs> um, do we have a motion to close the warrant? I move that we close the warrant. Okay. All in favor? Aye. 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 We get a motion to adjourn. I move that we adjourn. Aye. All in favor? Aye. 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 Aye.